Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. Thank you cards and thanksgiving and all kinds of exhortations to give thanks, but I want to start with some other parts of this story and this encounter of Jesus while he's between Samaria and Galilee, while he's between the place of, well, when we're welcomed in and when we're not. This place between insider and outsider, and Jesus is intentionally traveling there, and while he's traveling there, he encounters ten lepers, well described, and the children's sermon is one who has a feared skin disease, feared to be very contagious, and was not only a, a debilitating disease, but it was a debilitating social reality for those suffering from leprosy. So Jesus is encountered by, by ten who were gathered together in misery, gathered together in isolation, isolated from their families, from their community, alone. And Jesus, by the way, is always, always, always traveling that space with us, isn't he? When we are in some space in between, when we feel isolated, when we feel somehow either shamed or broken or afraid or outside the reach of the grace of a community or judged or cast aside, know this, Jesus walks in that space. Jesus walks that very road and he encounters us there. So wherever we may walk, he finds us particularly when we find ourselves feeling on the outside looking in. And when we feel like we're on the outside looking in, you know what Jesus does? He says, come, come, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And he welcomes us in. So Jesus is walking that space in between when he's encountered by the ten desperate lepers crying out for mercy. Crying out for mercy. Now we have seen Jesus encounter leprosy in the Gospels prior to this, but it's in a one-on-one -on -one encounter where a leper approaches him and says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus says, and he says, if you will. If you will, you can make me clean. Jesus touches the leper. In this case, he's encountered by 10. I mean, the contagion, the fear, the isolation, the shame. I mean, it was, it was a storm. It was a whirlwind. It was a hurricane of shame and isolation that approaches Jesus in the 10 lepers. And as they approach him, and they're keeping their distance, by the way, as social protocol. They were following the rules. They're keeping their distance because a leper had to cross by on the other side of the road, crying out, unclean, unclean. A leper was, was so isolated that they had to name their disease even before it could be seen. The responsibility was on them to not be near anyone or anything, to not touch anything or anyone. And if you can imagine the, the shame, so they're crying out to Jesus for mercy. They go to the right place. They go to the right person, don't they? 
They, they go to the right person. When encountering shame, when encountering isolation, they go straight to Jesus and they cry out for mercy. By the way, the only cry that we have, there is, there is much wisdom in what it, the so-called Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. When you have nothing else to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. Be tender towards me. When, when, when words won't come, when only tears will come, when, when we feel too low to be lifted up, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. So they cry out for mercy, and Jesus sees them when Jesus saw them. He immediately says, go show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. Well, the priest was the one who would declare, one, that they had leprosy, and the priest was the one that could say that they were clean and restore them to, co to community, to their families, to the synagogue, to the worshiping community. Go show yourselves to the priest so that you can be not just healed of your skin disease, but he be restored to community, to family, be healed from the disease of social isolation. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Now, one thing about healing that is in this story and that is reflected in the story of Naaman in the Old Testament that was read earlier is that sometimes it seems in the divine course of things that we participate in our own healing. Now, I, I know for, for those who say, well, it's all about grace, it's all about grace, it's all about God's amazing grace, it's only what God does for us. Yes, amen, and yet sometimes we participate in our own healing. It's God's grace that touches us. It's God's grace that initiates the movement. Sometimes God does amazing things and, and does something all at once, but most of the time we participate in our own healing. It's by God's grace he gives us the grace to start the healing. He gives us the grace to put one foot in front of the other in the healing. He gives us the grace to have the strength. He gives us the grace to, to seek the counsel, to go to the meetings, to work the program. He gives, us, he gives us the grace to continue to worship. He gives us the grace to pray. He gives us the grace to seek community, to, to seek counsel, to seek a counselor, whatever it is we need. But God gives us the grace, but we participate. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And in the Old Testament story with, with Naaman, the foreign soul, Soldier, he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He asked him to do something, some step of, I am trusting what you tell me. I'm trusting your gracious word. We participate in our own healing. I think so many of us wait around and we, we can get angry or, or upset or all kinds of things because we're waiting for a zap from on high and, well, God, you didn't. He says, well, I did. You just didn't take the next step. I mean, just imagine for a moment if the lepers, if they don't show themselves to the priest, their leprosy is gone, but it's not verified. They're not restored to the community. Participate in your own healing. Being restored to the community is part of healing. Which, by the way, what kind of community are we becoming that we might participate not only in our own healing, but in the healing um, in the lives of others and in an entire community and in the city of Ottawa and beyond? What kind of community are we becoming that we are the place where people can come and be declared clean by the grace of Jesus? 
as they went. That's another, that's another part of healing. We, we expect sometimes that healing comes all at once. They were being healed as they went. That life kind of works that way. Life of Jesus works that way. By the way, I, I, life with grief works that way too, doesn't it? As they went. Not all at once, not in one moment, not at, not at the funeral service, not at the graveside, not the next day or the next week as they went. Recovering from trauma, not, not all at once, not in one prayer or one counseling session or, or one miracle, but as we go. God's faithful, loving presence along the road where he meets us between Samaria and Galilee and meets us in the trauma, in the grief, in the disappointment, in the heartbreak of our lives. And as we go, and then we look back and we go, that's not there anymore. That's different. Those tears feel different. That wound feels different. That hurt feels different. I don't remember it the same way. I'm not acting the same way. I don't think the same way. And as they went, as they went, they discovered that they were made clean. Now, one of them, one of the ten, decides to write a thank you card. <laughs> one of the ten decides to return to Jesus. It's a curious example. I mean, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And I assume that this one was on his way, but he couldn't contain the joy of being healed from leprosy. He couldn't contain it, so he had to return to the source of his healing. And he returns and bows down low and gives thanks, praising God with a loud voice. Interesting little side note, theologians, biblical scholars, Jesus is the one that healed him. He's praising God. Is he equating Jesus with God? Maybe. He's praising God with a loud voice. He's so excited he has to return. And then Jesus asks questions. Were, not, were there not ten? Where are the other nine? Was none of them found to return and give thanks and praise to God except this foreigner? Huh. Except this foreigner, this Samaritan. Jews didn't like Samaritans. Samaritans weren't the heroes of Jewish stories. If you wanted to get on the bad side of a God-fearing Jew, you'd probably make the, a Samaritan the hero of your story. I don't know what motivated the Samaritan to be the one to return, but, but as I reflect upon the nature of gratitude and, and deformations of gratitude, I wonder about some things. I participated in a pastoring community project quite a few years ago. With, with a, it was a Lily Grant project, and we, just, we looked at the four practices that sustain community. And we looked at the practices of sustained community, truth-telling, promise-keeping, gratitude, and hospitality. And in looking at those four practices of sustained community, part of that study was looking at the deformations, the things that go wrong. So one of the deformations of gratitude is presumption. I wonder if the other nine, were they Jewish? 
Did they presume a place of privilege? I don't know. But I do know that presumption is a deformation of gratitude. And I wonder if we don't have a bit of presumption of pride, place, and privilege in these United States, particularly among, among I'm looking around, I'm going to say it anyway, among predominantly white Christians. I wonder if we have a thing about a little too much privilege and feeling a little presumption of place. And, we, and when we see our place in a place of majority possibly being threatened, if we don't kind of like shrink back and react and do all kinds of things, that's a deformation of gratitude. Presumption. And there's all kinds of ways that presumption works. We, we are owed something. We feel like we should have something coming our way. And that can happen as children in a family. And, we can, and that can happen in churches and communities and in jobs. Anytime that we have a presumption that we have a right to a place or a privilege, then we're not looking out and saying, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. We're not looking for that which is good. We're looking for that which we're owed. And we become angry and we become malformed rather than formed. Other deformations of gratitude would be envy. And envy is not just wanting something we don't have. Envy is being angry that somebody else has it. Envy is not just wanting what somebody else has. It's being angry that somebody else has it. And that obviously deforms the soul and distorts the thinking that we have a deformation of gratitude rather than simply being grateful for that which God has provided us oh and as I've discovered at least in life another biggie that's a deformation of gratitude and the children of Israel discovered this for 40 long years in the wilderness a deformation of gratitude is grumbling I've seen it in the biblical narrative, and I've seen it in church life. Grumbling spreads like wildfire. Grumbling absolutely distorts our ability to see the world around us and see people around us. And by the way, with all of these, presumption, envy, grumbling, or gratitude, we'll find what we're looking for. We'll find what we're looking for. We participate in our own healing by choosing gratitude to choosing gratefulness. This one foreigner, this one unexpected hero of the story, like the Good Samaritan that we read about some chapters before in the Gospel of Luke, this unexpected hero is expressing his gratitude back to the one who healed him. The one who delivered him from shame and separation and isolation and feeling left out and who welcomed him in and who gave him the instructions that could restore him to his families, to his community. He returned to give thanks and praising God in a loud voice. So once again, in the gospel story, we have an outsider made the hero of the story. Maybe, maybe that was Jesus just continuing to tell stories to knock the presumption right out from under us. Maybe Jesus telling the story that, that if, the, if the outsiders continue to be welcomed in, then maybe we would all consider ourselves outsiders that are welcomed in. Maybe they really aren't supposed to be any outsiders or insiders. We're just all welcomed. 
Maybe there's not supposed to be any, any foreigners and not foreigners. We're all just one in Christ Jesus. As Paul says in Galatians, there's neither slave nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Gratitude changes how we see God, how we see the world, how we see life, how we see others. Gratitude is like going and getting spiritual eye surgery. Gratitude clarifies the vision and allows us to see. And in seeing differently, we begin to feel differently, walk differently. And I would say that in seeing differently, gratitude has a way of even making the heart be different. This foreigner, this Samaritan who returned, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Now, I want to give a time out to the gospel story there. Your faith has made you well. Weren't the ten? Now I want to ask Jesus a question. Weren't all ten healed of leprosy? Weren't all ten healed? Did I, re- I read the story right, didn't I? All ten were healed, and they were on their way to the priest. One returned. Jesus says, where are the other nine? But weren't all ten healed? Why does Jesus say to this one and only this one, your faith has made you well? They were all healed. Or they were all cured of leprosy. They were all cured of leprosy. But Jesus could assure this one that it, in returning to give thanks, in returning to see himself as eternally grateful to the source of his healing, in returning to give thanks that this one has been made whole. That this one's been made whole. This, this leper has now learned to see. This outsider, this doubly excluded one, has now been ushered in as the one who can really see and who has been made whole. It's been said that we are not grateful because we are happy, we are happy because we are grateful. So often somebody would say, well, I'd be grateful if things were better. Huh? I'd be grateful if things were better. I could say thank you if things were better. I mean, if my life was better, if things weren't going the way they're going, I'd be grateful. Well, that's a trap. That's a trap. That's a dead end. We do not become grateful because we're happy. We become happy because we've chosen to be grateful. That is one of the things where we participate in our own healing. We can choose to begin to see things differently. And then very personal for me in these days of reflecting and lots of thinking and lots of driving and lots of visiting and lots of sitting with in sacred vigil with around my dad with Cynthia and my sister and her husband and and their kids and and mom and just gathered around in vigil there was a lot of there was a lot of thankfulness expressed for who dad is and dad was 
And you begin to preset, if you will, the journey forward. The journey forward of grief is certainly one of missing. Like, it's going to be really strange that... Christmas and it's gonna be strange the next time I watch a Kentucky football or basketball game live and there's not a text from dad But we preset in some ways a Healing journey of grief by being grateful By the way It's a good idea I hope as a family we did that and as an individual I did that, but it's a good idea to go ahead and start doing that while we're all still living. Be grateful for the people around you. Be grateful for family and for friends and coworkers and the sunrise and the and the sunset and the and the creation and and oh of course be eternally grateful to the one who so loved that he gave. Be eternally grateful to the Jesus who, though he was equal with God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited, but rather he emptied himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Be eternally grateful to to the word that was made flesh, the one who was with God in the beginning and nothing was made without him. And yet the one who was with God tabernacled among us. He made his dwelling among us. The one who was eternally existent with God as the word made flesh walked among us. Be eternally grateful to the Jesus who walked among us and bore our sorrows and our griefs and our burdens and, yes, our shame and sin. The one who identified with our suffering, the one in in whom we see our suffering absorbed, the one in whom we see our, our sin both exposed and lovingly forgiven, the one in whom the fullness of God is made known. So will we return with a loud voice and give praise and participate in our own healing and then participate in the healing of others by being the kind of place that people return and they're declared forgiven, clean. Amen and amen. Loving God, in the name of Jesus, may your presence be eternally with us. Give us eyes to see and return to the source of our healing. To the foot of the cross, the place where forgiveness, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The place where the temple curtain is torn from top to bottom place in us the ability to see and to return and give thanks with a loud voice. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.